22nd Sunday in Ordinary Time Prayer Psalm 63 O God, you are my God, I seek you. My soul thirsts for you, my flesh faints for you. As in a dry and weary land, where there is no water, so I have looked upon you in the sanctuary beholding your power and glory. Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you, so I will bless you as long as I live. I will lift up my hands and call on your name. My soul is satisfied as with a rich feast, and my mouth praises you with joyful lips, for you have been my help. And in the shadow of your wings, I sing for joy. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. Reading the Word First reading, Jeremiah chapter 20 O Lord, you have enticed me, and I was enticed. You have overpowered me, and you have prevailed. I have become a laughingstock all day long. Everyone mocks me. For whenever I speak, I must cry out. I must shout, violence and destruction. For the word of the Lord has become for me a reproach and derision all day long. If I say, I will not mention him or speak any more in his name, then within me there is something like a burning fire. Shut up in my bones. I am weary with holding it in, and I cannot. Second reading, Romans 12. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds, so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Gospel, Matthew chapter 16 From that time on, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and undergo great suffering at the hands of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, God forbid it, Lord, this must never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. Then Jesus told his disciples, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit them if they gain the whole world? but forfeit their life? Or, 
what will they give in return for their life? For the Son of Man is to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then you will repay everyone for what has been done. Hearing the word, fleeing from God, we admire those considered saints and heroes of faith, men and women, who faithfully carried out their God-given mission, despite frequently facing overwhelming difficulties. Yet the very same saints often struggled with doubt and resignation. Today's liturgy calls our attention to this often overlooked aspect of their lives and something that most Christians also face. The passage from the book of Jeremiah is sometimes called Jeremiah's Gethsemane. The initial verses of chapter 20 describe the prophet's struggle with the priest Pashu, who had Jeremiah beaten and imprisoned. The reason for this severe treatment was the prophet's message of the coming destruction of Jerusalem and the temple because of the people's infidelity and violation of the covenant with God. On account of his preaching, the prophet was branded a disloyal traitor and his message a subversive and disheartening fiction that offended and threatened what the Israelites held most sacred, the holy city and the temple. When eventually released, Jeremiah turned to God with words of bitter challenge and complaint. He accused God of forcing him to become a prophet of doom and trusted with delivering only a message of inevitable doom. Jeremiah loved the temple, the city, and his people. He would have liked nothing better than to deliver words of comfort and reassurance. Instead, seeing the reality, he was forced to prophesy the inevitable end of all he held dear. He had hoped that by predicting the disaster, he would be able to turn the hearts of the people back to God and thus change the future. Instead, his mission was failing as the leaders and the people react to his words with insults, threats, physical abuse, and rejection. This failure makes him turn against God with bitter complaint about being given such a mission. Initially, he had willingly become God's mouthpiece, but having experienced failure and persecution, he declares that he will speak in the name of God no longer. He rejects his mission and wants to flee from God. In the end, however, he finds himself incapable of abandoning his thankless task. He feels the word of God burning within him like a consuming fire which he is unable to contain. Despite the pain and disillusionment, this tragic prophet still finds himself compelled to continue with his mission. The second reading contains an opening section 
of the letter to the Romans, containing a series of exhortations and admonitions aimed at guiding the life of Christians in the Roman community. In these first words, Paul exhorts the Romans to offer themselves as a living sacrifice in service to God. He contrasts this offering with adherence to the world, by which Paul means the broader Roman society and its pagan ways and practices. Using the language of sacrifice, Paul indicates that Christian life ought to be different, sometimes even contradictory, to the way of life most people followed. Offering one's body as a sacrifice meant exposing oneself to ridicule and rejection on account of one's faith. At the same time, it also meant altering one's mind in order to discern God's will and follow it. Advancement in holiness is a conscious act of human will be expressed by deliberate choices. Paul urges his audience to adhere to God with their mind and will. Conforming oneself to the ways of the world represents a flight from God, while the offering of life to God leads to a deeper union with Him. It was much easier for the Roman Christians to follow the pagan ways of their day. Yet, this would have amounted to fleeing from God, something that Paul desperately wanted them to avoid. Today's Gospel continues the narrative of last Sunday and presents the reaction of Jesus to being called the Messiah, Christ, and Peter's reaction to his new role as the church's leader. Peter, in calling Jesus the Messiah, correctly recognized that Jesus came into the world to carry out God's mission of salvation. In today's passage, Jesus reveals more about the character of that mission, namely that it includes going to the cross and suffering a brutal death. At this point, he fully realizes and openly declares it. In the final moments before his arrest, in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus showed fear and reluctance to accept this terrible fate. Still, fully understanding the implications of his decision, he declared his readiness to fulfill God's will. Mark chapter 14 Peter stands very much in contrast to Jesus. Despite being declared the church's leader, Peter hearing his master's declaration about the impending death attempted to change Jesus' mind, stating that such a cruel fate can never befall him. Jesus responded by calling him Satan. Satan is a being who consistently opposes God and tries to undermine the execution of God's will in the world. Peter, by attempting to persuade Jesus not to accept his mission and the fate connected with it, acted like Satan. Jesus resisted Peter and went even further by emphasizing that carrying the cross is an integral part of his disciples' life. Fleeing from suffering means fleeing from God and losing not only the privilege of being a disciple in this world, but also being subjected to judgment and rejection in the world to come. Just like any commitment in life comes to a cost, so does this commitment to God. 
For Jeremiah, being a prophet, came at the price of ridicule and persecution, combined with the loss of status, isolation, and internal struggle. Yet he remained convinced that his message was true and his mission necessary. Despite the temptation to flee from it all, Jeremiah knew deep in his heart that the only reasonable option was to continue which he did. For Paul, Christianity meant adherence to God rather than alignment with the ways and ideas of the contemporary society. The choice was to adhere to God and flee from the world or to flee from God and adhere to the world. He admonished his faithful in Rome to choose the former as the true expression of praise and worship. Peter wanted to eliminate suffering from the life of Jesus and may be his own, perhaps because of his love for Jesus or because of fear he attempted to change Jesus' mind about the cross. Later, when confronted in the high priest's courtyard, he denied Jesus to save his own life. He chose to flee from his master and disowned his commitments. While human preoccupations and weaknesses might drive a disciple to choose an easier way, and like Peter, to flee from God's demanding path, it is also clear from today's readings that, deep inside, a person committed to God knows the right choice and the right path. Both Jeremiah and Peter, despite failures, eventually continued as faithful servants. What is needed to avoid fleeing from God or to return after such flight has happened is the training of one's mind to discern God's will and the strength which comes from prayer. The psalmist knew exactly that when he said, You have been my help, and in the shadow of your wings I sing for joy. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. Listening to the Word of God In our contemporary world, fleeing from commitments and sacrifice is the new norm. Technology makes this easy. For example, Facebook has options for accepting friends and unfriending them with one click. Further, new psychological trends, self-help books, and motivational speakers encourage us to do what is best for our own welfare. This self-centered perspective affects every area of our lives, including family relationships, work, church membership, and social responsibilities. With so many choices and options available, one can shop around for experiences and relationships whenever one is not pleased with what they have. These flights from existing relationships and commitments occur particularly when hardships or conflicts develop. The high dropout rates at universities and constant changing of courses, mushrooming of churches, and the phenomenon of Christian tourism trending in relationships 
on social media and a high divorce rate. Just a few examples of this tendency to flee towards what attracts. These flights in turn exemplify a deeper problem of the lack of firm commitment to another person, which occurs when one of the partners is unhappy or meets someone else, or when the demands of morality and social responsibility are seen as burdensome and unrealistic. This applies also to commitment to God. When, again in times of hardship, or when prayers and expectations are not met, we drift away from God in search of other ways to reach security and fulfillment. This high fluidity and constant change are clear signs that we are on the run and indicate that we ought to pause and ask ourselves, what are we fleeing from? And what is creating chaos in our relationships with each other and with God? Oftentimes the answer is simple. We are fleeing from commitment, loyalty and sacrifice. These values are seen as old-fashioned and in some cases as the perpetuation of abusive and limiting circumstances. Indeed, there are times when it is legitimate to flee from relationships that are harmful to one's well-being particularly in cases of abuse and violence. These are legitimate and needed forms of self-protection. Yet in many other cases, it is the firm commitment and decision to be loyal to people and circumstances which we do not find pleasant or appealing. Our world has been changed by those who are willing to sacrifice, endure hardship, and stay loyal to their commitments. Think of the liberation struggles for independence which would not have succeeded except for people who were willing to sacrifice out of love for their people in their vision for liberation. The marketplaces in many of our African countries are not particularly pleasant places to spend time. Yet they also symbolize sacrifice and loyalty as women and men work to feed their children and send them to school. God calls us to reflect these qualities in our lives because without them, our relationships and dreams will not reach their fulfillment and we will find ourselves wandering aimlessly, jumping from one commitment to another, accomplishing little or nothing in the end. It is never too late to stop our flight from God and from those who need us and be guided by the values of sacrifice commitment, and loyalty. This, in the end, will matter and will make our life meaningful. Smooth seas do not make skillful sailors. Action. Self-examination. Reflect on the values of sacrifice, loyalty, and commitment, and how you apply these in your relationships, work, parish life, and relationship with God. Ask yourself, am I in any way fleeing from these values? Response to God 
ponder the following question. In what ways am I fleeing from God or fleeing to God? Response to your world. Sacrifice and loyalty change the world. How can you make the statement be true in the context of your individual life and in the group you are a part of? Dear Lord, day after day, I pray to see you more clearly, to love you more dearly, and to follow you ever more nearly. This day by day I pray. Amen.